Amen. Well, I know that uh, we've already given a, a happy Mother's Day. Um, I think half of you were out in the front where there was a really cool pink Volkswagen bus taking pictures and eating good scones. Did anyone partake? If you came in late and you're like, what? That was here? You missed it. It was awesome. Um, We wanted to honor you. We want to honor all the moms that are here. We want to honor all the future moms. We want to honor all the spiritual moms. And so everybody's going to get a little something. So our kids are here. Um, If you guys want to come now, I think... or maybe not. I don't know. Are we good? All right. So kids, would you guys stand up and come? I think you have special gifts for everybody. They're going to come by, and um, this will be fun. <laughs> well, as they're passing out at gifts, um, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day it is. And I was thinking, uh, just as I was preparing some things to share, I don't even know why I'm talking. Like, how could I even compete with like the, the, the cuteness of children handing out lavender and tea to um, to moms that are in the room? Look at them. <laughs> Can we just hear it for our kids? There, just. Uh, Listen, if you didn't get um, tea or lavender this morning, um, just come see me after. <laughs> I know some people will get you set up for sure. <laughs> Listen, uh, this morning, you know, as, as I was thinking about Mother's Day, um, I was thinking about a couple of moms that I know. One, my mom, who I call mom, not Sharon, um, who is here. Mom, would you just raise your hand for everybody? She's the, the one you often see in the lobby. And I was fortunate to have a good mom, a really good mom. And one of the things that I appreciate about my mom was that um, she let me have Pop-Tarts for breakfast. A lot of other kids were, you know, eating other things, but not me. No, I'm just kidding. That, um, she really did let us have Pop-Tarts. But, um, but what I appreciated about my mom was consistency. That, um, that yes meant yes and no meant no. And there was fun and there was also the rules. And so she created a great environment. So, Mom, happy Mother's Day. Um, The second mom is the mother of my children, my wife, Rochelle, who, um, who I wanted to just say this. Um, I was thinking about what I wanted to say about my wife, and, and I was saying, you know, you shouldn't really use the pulpit to, like, brag about your wife and your kids, but I'm all about rule. I'm a rule breaker. I'm a rule breaker. Rule breaker by nature. So I'm breaking all the rules this morning. Okay, so thank you. Uh, Terry gave me um, permission, so I'm fully... <laughs> fully permitted to say what I'm about to say. So um, I have two amazing children, and I'm going to brag about them as well, because um, the reason that they're amazing is large in part to their mom, who, who from the very beginning learned their hearts, right? That there's a difference to like reading a book about parenting children and going, okay, I'm going to apply this or apply that. Um, all those principles are amazing, but when you learn the hearts of your kids, you learn the way that God intended them to go, and you nudge them along in that way. And Rochelle did an amazing job at that, that our home was, and I hope is still, just a place of peace and a place where our kids could thrive. And one of the things that I loved about like early childhood um, development that Rochelle brought to like, help me understand was we wanted to teach our kids before they knew that something was wrong with the world. We wanted to teach them that there were things that were right. We wanted to teach them that they could explore. And, you know, you lock down the stuff that they could hurt themselves with in the house, you know, and then you just let them go. And there's a whole lot more yeses than there were nos. And, um, and Rochelle brought that. And I think that for those of you that are raising kids now, that that's a, a beautiful way to begin to see 
in the, in the beginnings of their life that, um, that, that there's, there's good that God has for them and that God loves them and that God cares for them. And so the beginnings are, are more yeses than noes. And then she was good at, at, at helping us. I feel like she parented me too, by the way I'm saying this, but um, I think I had a part in it as well. But um, that there are noes, that there are noes, that there are some non-negotiables, that there shouldn't be 5,000 of them in your house, right? Like as you're raising your children, it shouldn't be like, no, 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 but there should certainly be a handful of them, and those noes have consequences. In our home, it was disrespect, right? And we just use that as a blanket term, because if there was anything that fell under disrespect, that that, that had a consequence to it. And, uh, and so I think our kids turned out pretty good. And here's where I'm going to brag about our kids, okay? So my daughter, Kate, who's 19 years old. Kate, just stand up and say hi to everybody. You know, like, there's just my daughter. So I'm going to pay for this so deeply after. Uh, Kate is home from um, school. She goes to Vanguard University, which we're so grateful for because it's 15 minutes down the road and she gets to live on campus. Um, but Kate is brilliant, Okay, she's brilliant and she's beautiful. And, and I'm not just saying like brilliant in the way that I measure brilliance, but like she's academically brilliant. Like her, her first semester, her first year in school, she maintained a 4.0, like really high 4.0 in all of her courses. And she's in the scholars cohort. So I'm just going to throw that out there. So um, Partway through the school, she learned that she had advanced in that one year from freshman to sophomore. When, and so that was pretty cool, right? So through all your needs. So great job, Kate. You're wonderful. And then um, my son, Daniel, who is also, and this is all about Rochelle, by the way, me bragging about my kids. My, my son, Daniel, who, is, who loves Jesus, who is a, oh yeah, stand, yeah, Terry wants you to stand up, Daniel. Um, who on... Thursday night had his, um, his uh, banquet, his awards banquet for um, surf team, and he's on the surf team at his school varsity letter, and wait, 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 wait for it, MVP of the longboard division, so there you go. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the brakes on, on all my braggings, because it could just go on, I can, I can go on for 30 minutes of this stuff, but Rochelle, ultimately I want to honor you. I want to honor my wife and, and some things that you may not know about Rochelle, but um, about two years ago, as we were praying and just seeking God as to what this next season is for us, the Lord really laid it upon her heart to pursue um, a medical career in nursing. And so she worked hard to do her prerequisites. She became, became an EMT. My wife drives ambulances around town if you want to see her. And, um, and she just recently was accepted to a very competitive, very difficult nursing program, and it's, um, it's awesome. And so I wanted you to know that, and I wanted to brag about her. So, yeah, that's my wife. Happy Mother's Day. Can we keep going? <laughs> I'm getting the head shake. Okay, so... Um, here we are in, um, in the book of Psalms, and we talked about this series that we want to launch. We mentioned, I mentioned it last week. Um, we had an amazing opportunity to hear what God had done in Mexico, and so we kind of pumped the brakes on, um, on our series, and we're going to start it this week. And so um, I'm going to give you some background before I give you the main stuff. Um, but these psalms that we're going to look at are, are beautiful in every way. And the psalms, if you aren't a reader of the psalms, and maybe you're, you're looking for a place to begin your journey in reading the Bible, uh, I want to lift the, the guilt off of your shoulders for a moment that so often we say this, I should read the Bible more, right? 
I should pray more. And, and maybe that's true. Um, we all should. But, but the reality of it is we need an entry point. We need a place to start, right? And how many of you know the enemy of your soul just loves to like, have an internal dialogue with you and tell you how miserable you are, right? That, that's what his native language is, is to lie to you and to condemn you. And so I want to free you, and this part of this psalm series throughout the summer is to give you access to this wonderful literature that's in the Bible that's supernatural, and it's, it's, it's really uh, enjoyable to read, and it will open your eyes to a dimension of God's character that you may have missed before, and it will also open your heart to who you are. Um, I think that one of the things that's beautiful about the Psalms is it helps us to know how to be human, right? It helps us to see humanity. Have you ever read the Psalms when you're like reading David going, I hate those who hate you. Oh, how I hate the wicked. I want to slay them. You know what I mean? You're like, wow, that's not what I would think to read in the Bible. And then you get to these points where he gets out this angst that he has in his heart. And then he resolves with statements like, but search me. And know me and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. Aren't you grateful that God's word is real? Aren't you grateful that as you read it, you're like, oh, I I identify with some of that angst. And so when we read these psalms, this selection that we're going to read, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure how long we're going to take. That's kind of the name of our game. We, we start a series and we let it roll. And there's 15 of these psalms called Psalms of Ascents. That's hard to say with this microphone because it tends to go, but anyways, Psalms of Ascents. And um, the ascent is an upward, upward journey, right? Um, that any time that you're hiking or mountain bike riding or whatever it is that you're doing, you're going uphill in this journey and you're telling yourself, this is so going to be worth it, right? Anybody, anybody like to hike? Right? Unless you're a, or if you like to mountain bike, unless you're a cheater and have like the motor in your bike that, you know, you see these guys, especially when they're covert, like the hidden little motors that are in, the, in there and they're like, how is that guy going so fast? He's cheating. But, um, but as, you're, as you're hiking or as you're doing these things, so often you are feeling it. You're huffing and puffing and you're, and you're making your way up, but you know that there's going to be a vista. You know there's going to be a spot that you're going to go, man. This hard work was perfectly worth it. And I think especially Carl will tell you, he's an avid mountain bike rider, that as as you're getting up the hill, you're thinking, it's going to be so fun. This two hours that it's taking me to ascend this is going to be totally worth that four minutes that I get when I go down this thing, right? And and so so this Psalms of Ascent start in Psalm 120. Everybody say Psalm 120. That's where we're going to begin today, and we're going, to, we're going to look at this psalm in just a moment, and it's a starting point. Now, we don't know for certain, but scholars will tell us that these psalms um, were a collection of 15 songs that would be memorized. And you'll notice when we read them throughout the weeks to come, they're, they're relatively short in size. And that would mean that they would be easily remembered. And what these 15 songs amount to is like a playlist. You know, I was thinking about... Um, road trips and playlists. Like, who doesn't love a road trip, right? And, and you think back on, nobody was like, I love a road trip. Maybe I, I enjoy a road trip. Like, you just, to get in the car and go. Anytime you get past L.A., it's like, yes, you know? You're going north. And then you go, and then you come back. You're like, you got to come back through L.A., and you're like, oh, you're all relaxed. And anyways, <laughs> a side note. But, um, 
But there's something about it. I remember as a kid, there were, um, there were certain songs that were played when we had music playing in the car. Sometimes they like to keep it a little quiet to be able to focus on the road. But, um, but as, as we would drive in the car, we listened to both kinds of music. We listened to country and western. And, uh, <laughs> and, we, and I, remember, I remember my dad had a Ford Bronco and um, his coolest truck and and we also had this Lincoln Continental, you know, and these are the two vehicles that I mostly remember driving in. And I'm not sure the Lincoln had it, but I know the Bronco had like an eight track. It had an eight track player, this big old cassette. You'd be like, hold on, let me change the music. <laughs> right? And, and it was just, for those of you that maybe you're Googling now what an eight track is, it's a big old like chunky plastic thing you used to put in them. And, and when the cassette came out, it was like, whoa, it's so small and amazing. But anyways, we would put the eight track in of, of Kenny Rogers, you know. You had to know when to hold them and when to fold them, right? Like, that's how I learned to gamble. And then, uh, and then, and we would listen to, learn about Luke and Bob Texas from Waylon Jennings, you know, um, Man, the Oak Ridge Boys would have like that Elvira song, you know. I learned about spiritual warfare from Charlie Daniels' band. There was like, there was like, yeah, yeah, Scott knows what's up. Anyways, these are songs that, and the reason I'm saying this, and then, and then later our family, we, we would take road trips and we, we had such a good time and we still do that, but um, we, we, we share a playlist uh, called Nostalgia, I think Kate built in. It has like cool songs that just like bring us right to a moment, you know, and it gets you in that mode. And, and, and so t- to this day, when I listen to certain songs that I just mentioned from my childhood or, or these songs now, it's like, okay, I'm in a mode. I'm going somewhere. And, and that whole intro is to say, this is what these are. These songs that, that for the children of Israel, they had these journeys that they would take three of them. And every, in the, in the Old, Old Testament, it would, it would say that all the, the Hebrew males were required three times a year. And it followed an agrarian calendar. It followed the, the wintertime of, of planting seeds, you know. And, and so every male would have, wherever they were, they would ascend to Jerusalem. So the altitude was always up from wherever they were going. And so h- however they'd been scattered throughout three times a year, they're making a journey. And what scholars believe is when they would travel for the first one, which is Passover, the second one, which would be called Pentecost, there's Hebrew names attached to these as well, and then the third would be the Festival of Weeks or Booths, and, um, or Tabernacles, excuse me. And so this, I'll share a little bit about what each one was, but these three times a year, it was the first one around the planting of seed time, the second was at the first harvest, which is coming up, you know, for us, we'll celebrate Pentecost on the 28th, which is so rad, because it's the same day we're doing our Jubilee, um, and then the third feast that they would celebrate would be Tabernacles, which would be the second harvest, right, several months later. It was this routine or rhythm that they had in their lives that they were always reminded that no matter where they were, no matter where they had settled, they were always ascending back in relationship with God, that they were heading back to make sacrifices for their sins. This is where we read a lot about the, the lambs that were slaughtered and the blood that was applied. And some of that you try to reason through as you're reading in the Old Testament, trying to figure all this stuff out. We realize later that, that Jesus, in this new covenant, fulfills everything that was happening that they were remembering in these feasts. And so as they're making this journey to Jerusalem as family units, most often, in that, and why I believe that, I'll, I'll read in just a moment. 
they were more than likely singing these collection of songs. It was their playlist. And, um, and what was really remarkable to think about is that Jesus would have been on that journey, heading to places with his family for these feasts, and he likely would have been singing these very songs that we're going to learn together. Isn't that cool? Super cool to me. I don't, I'm not buying it from you guys. You're like, that's not that cool. It's super cool just to think how connected that we are to our Savior who was in every way human and in every way God. And so um, let's look first before we break open Psalm 120. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. It says this. Now his parents, and I want to I stop there because the Deuteronomy passages that would require the, the, the travelers to make their ascent to Jerusalem said all the males. And so this speaks to the fact that it was either just recording males and families would go, or it was the choice at this point in time for this unit to be together as they went. And so Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41 It says, so his parents, we know that Joseph and Mary were both together. They went to Jerusalem. And it says, every year for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents didn't know it. And so not only was it just like this little... Uh, you know, family unit traveling together, but it was like tribal, right? That your aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody were, was together. The community was traveling. So much so that you wouldn't recognize it if one of your kids might be being watched over by an uncle or a cousin. Does that make sense? Anyone have a story of that where you left your kids somewhere? <laughs> and so, um, verse 44 says, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And verse 45 says, and when they, had not, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding of the answers. And verse 48 says, And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And by the way, as we're reading that, we can only assume tone. We don't know if she was frustrated and she was like, Son, where are you? What are you doing? Or if she was, at that point, just calmly making an inquiry, like, hey, what, what were you doing, man? Your dad and I were, were super nervous. Like, we're, we don't know the tone. Nor do we know the tone that Jesus replied with. And so we have to be careful with Scripture not to insert our own sass, right? Like, you know, she was mad, and Jesus was like this, right? We don't know. But we know what the words say, right? The words are telling us that they were a, a, a parental group that were looking for their child. He was doing something. He had a response that he was doing what he was intended to do. And verse 50 says this, And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he was, what's that word? 
submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And I love this verse. And Jesus increased with wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. When, when I read this and I was thinking about Jesus' ascent with his family to Jerusalem for the, for the feast that he was in, uh, I, was, I, I was thinking about, obviously, this encounter that they had because the scriptures record it. But the, the, what, what stood out to me was the fact that, that his mother was initiating the conversation and then his mother did something that she had done before, or at least was recorded by Luke a second time, that she treasured things in her heart. Did you catch that? That there was a moment of like what, what I would call like a capture. You know, like now that we have our phones, which is such a gift, right? To be able to just like snap a picture of something and to remember it. And then if you have an iPhone, every once in a while it gives you like your memory of that time. You're like, oh, you're like, you know, a little music comes in and you look at your phone and it scales through like a, uh, a slideshow. Does anyone else do that or am I special? I didn't know. I can't really tell. Okay. So we have those moments where we could like, we could capture things. But this is an even deeper capture that this mother who was like not really sure what's going on, but she knows something significant is happening with her 12-year-old son who has this wisdom that, that I don't think is disrespectful in the way that he speaks back to his mom because it shows his heart condition was submissive to them. But it says these words that she treasured these things in her heart. And if you look at a Greek definition of that treasuring, it's that she put that somewhere, like that experience, that she, she tucked it away. And one of the things that I read about that particular word treasured was it means to preserve knowledge or memories as for a later use. So something's going on here. Moms, dads, um, friends, you know, if you're involved in mentoring relationships, like there are moments where, where it's with your own kids or somebody else's kids or these moments that you're like, wow, this is something special is happening right now. And she tucked it away. Do you remember another time where she tucked something away? This other time that she tucked something away was when Jesus was born and the shepherds came and they're just like saying these amazing things about he's the Lamb of God. He's going to take away all the sins of the world. That she's hearing all of these things. And it says that Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart. And as we're thinking about our journey, and I'm going to give you some terminology for it in just a moment, but as we're thinking about our walk with God, and even as we're rolling into summer and, and thinking about the, all the experiences that we're going to have, the question becomes for us, whether we're a mom or a dad or a child or whoever, wherever we find ourselves in life, what are the things that we're treasuring in our heart? What are we storing away in there as, as realizing its significance, a memory that might be for some later use? To me, this, this portion and, and my takeaway from it is, is about being present, right? Being present. Do you know what I mean by being present? And this is something that I really work on because it doesn't come naturally to me. And these psalms, I think, help us to be in the moment. The, the reason that it doesn't come natural for me to be present is because I got something in my pocket that's always bugging me and, and it's super interesting. And there's uh, an alert for a calendar event or a text or, or something that someone could say in a conversation that they could mention something. And I, I acted like I knew what it, they meant, but I didn't. So I'm thinking in any minute, I'm going to reach into my pocket and be like, what does that mean? And it's going to pop up an answer for me and I'm going to feel smart. That's just one aspect of our lives that keep us from being present in the moment. 
I'm learning to like shut my phone off. I'm learning to tuck it away and put it away. And you know, you go through these like fits and bouts with it. Are you with me? Like some of you are like, I don't even have one. I know what you're talking about, dude. Um, I, <clears throat> when, when I was visiting my friends, their teenage son came out and was like, check it out. And he pulled out a flip phone. He's like, we're going old school. Like him and, him and all his friends had old, big old flip phones. They thought they were the coolest thing. I'm like, yes, we all need to do that. Look, this isn't a sermon about technology. It's a sermon about our journey with him upward. And, and part of the obstacles to that, whether it's in family relationships, whether it's in our parenting, whether it's in our marriages, is what we treasure up, moments that we're capturing, and are we able to be present and that being present for our, our husband, being present for our wife, being present for our kids, it requires an intentional effort because there is so much that's targeting you. I would venture to say in this very moment as I'm talking, you're thinking about seven or eight or nine different things. And this is in no condemnation or guilt towards you. But you could be thinking about something I said a few minutes ago. You could be wondering something. You could be, your imagination could be going somewhere. You could be telling yourself, listen, I think he's trying to say something important. You know, this whole dialogue that's going on in your head, does anybody relate to that? Man, don't you love the Psalms that would just say, hey, be still and know that I'm God. Don't you love those moments like in a sanctuary like this where you could just go, and just enjoy a second of silence just to, to let the, the words begin to die down. Let your mind get a little calm, not in some meditative, like, you know, therapeutic way, not that that would, well, anyways, I don't like myself in trouble with words. I'm not saying like in some strange new agey kind of way. I'm saying that we would just stop for a moment and capture and treasure things in our hearts, treasure moments with our kids, treasure moments with our spouses, treasure moments with our friends, but ultimately, that this road trip that we're on, this journey that we're on, is about treasuring our experiences with our God who wants a real relationship with us, a perfect heavenly Father. And it requires an intentional effort to do it. Eugene Peterson, who has become um, in my life, like I was talking to my brother about it. He, he, he writes several books, and both he and I connect with it. He goes, it's like sitting down with, with your spiritual grandpa, and he's just like giving you wisdom. Um, Eugene Peterson, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with him, he's the one who did the message translation. And if, if, you're, if you like it, um, you might like Eugene Peterson. If you don't, you, you don't. I don't know. But anyways, um, he, he is now in heaven, um, and he wrote a, a great book called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Isn't that a great title? And that, that book that he wrote is about these psalms. And he said through his journey of being a pastor, and he was a pastor for many years, he was a very accomplished author. He was a linguist. But his entire ministry life was spent pastoring a, a church not much larger than this one. He didn't go mega. He didn't, he didn't aspire to that. He wanted to know and, and be present with his group of people and help lead them on their lives through a spiritual journey. That he knew that in order to, to do that, he had to have like certain ways to help them along the way. And he finds these psalms as like a guide path into this relationship with God. And that each one of them has something attached to them that we could go, okay, this is part of my journey. And, and in his book, he talks about two different types of, of people. He said that there are those that along this journey are spiritual tourists 
or they're pilgrims. Okay, why don't you think about that for a moment? What, what would be a, a tourist, right? If you think about a tourist, there's nothing wrong with being a tourist, but in our relationship with God, a tourist would be one that's like, okay, just give me the high points, right? I don't have a lot of time here. Um, I want like the really good conference. I want like super sick worship music, you know? Um, I, you know, and you just like, you might visit these things in order to like have an experience. Isn't that what you do when you're on vacation? That's a spiritual tourist. A pilgrim realizes that he's given his life completely to this pilgrimage, right? You're, you're, you're ascending to something. Not, um, you're, you're heading towards this relationship with God, realizing that it takes effort, it takes energy, and it's so often an uphill journey. Is your relationship with God feel uphill? Does it? Come on. Does your relationship with God feel uphill? Because if it does, you're doing it right. Like, you, you know, you're, you're challenged. The Christian life is not, as he writes in his book, it's not something that when you decide to follow Jesus, all your worldly friends are like, yay, great job. So excited to know you're following Jesus. They're like, hmm. It becomes something that, that the, the rest of the world isn't quite sure about, right? And so, so as you're, you're making that, that ascent, um, as a pilgrim, you're doing it knowing this is, this is the whole thing. I'm, I'm local in this. This is what I do. This is who I am. It affects every part of my work life, my family life, my fun life. Everything is devoted to him. And so throughout this series, we might be returning to that and asking ourselves the question, are, are, are we tourists or are we pilgrims? And so we begin the journey in Psalm 120, and um, it's a very short psalm. And so if you turn there with me, um, we'll look at it. You might relate to it, and you might go, huh? But either way, I think it has a takeaway for each and every one of us. Psalm 120 in verse 1 says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Okay, I'll just stop there for a moment. Because as I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I would encourage you to do the same, you, you learn to ask questions, right? And the author, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. This is a great pause in our reading, especially on our, on our journey, right? To go, what do I do when I'm in distress, right? In my distress, I grabbed a big old brownie. <laughs> Chomped it, right? In my distress... I grabbed my remote and I binge watched fill in the blank. This is not a guilt trip. This is just a part of humanity, right? So we see that the author says in the beginning, in my very real distress, I called to the Lord. And what does he find when he calls to the Lord? The Lord does what? Do you know that God is speaking all the time? And sometimes we... we we miss what he's saying because we're looking for him to do it in a certain way. Maybe we've compared ourselves to somebody else's spiritual life. And they talk about hearing God and the way that God speaks. And it sounds like, you know, God talks in a certain tone to them. And you're not used to that. Maybe you've never heard his still small voice in your life. And you're wondering, does he speak at all? Living word is just breathing life into us as much as we want to read it. That the attributes of creation are showing his, in, the, the beauty of creation is showing his invisible attributes. That God is in communication with us all the time, longing to have relationship. And so in my distress, it says, I called to the Lord and he answered me. 
And this is what he says to the Lord in his distress. Deliver me from lying lips and deceitful tongue. The way that it's written, he's not asking to be delivered from his own, but from the impact of those that lie around you. How many of you could say that we live in a world full of liars? How many lies does it take to be a liar? Right? It's super fun to say out loud, be like, yes, a bunch of liars. But then we're like looking in the mirror going, am I one of them? Because we have this, this broken humanity, right? Deliver me, O Lord, from, my, from, from lying lips and deceitful tongues. What shall be given to you? This is in, in context to the, the liar. And what more shall be done to you, deceitful tongue? A warrior's arrow with glowing coals of a broom tree. What does that even mean? Is that what you're asking? It's, it's basically him, him expressing like the, the judgment for lying. It, it's, a, it's a harsh judgment. It's this hot arrow that's like super ninja, like, like that there will come a day when God will, he will judge the wrongs of this world. And it was a, maybe like a comfort to the author in that moment. But then he kind of goes on and he, he talks more. And, he's, and what's important to realize that at the start of the journey, he's starting with a complaint. He's starting with going, I don't like where I am and I don't like the people that are surrounding me. And this is not about moving. This is not about changing our environment. This is about uh, the condition of the world where he's saying, this is not okay. And, and keep in mind that the children of Israel would know this song. It was like, their, it was, this is a perfect country western song, right? Like, that, that they would be singing this song as they're starting their trek to Jerusalem, being like, man, liars lie all the time. And these liars need to get shot with an arrow because I'm sick of all their lying. However they would sing it in Hebrew as they're kind of beginning their journey. And then he goes on and says, woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Now, I won't go deep into it, but what he's saying here is he's, he's speaking of, in their moment in time, two very barbaric people, people who live very far away from one another. So he's not literally likely living here, but he's saying like all the span of this world from here to here are just violent, lying, barbaric people. Amen, guys. We'll see you next week. Worship team, could you come? We just want to... <laughs> And then you're waiting for the resolve. He says, too long, in verse 6, have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. Verse 7 says, I'm for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. Basically, this huge contrast between the pilgrim who wants to continue to ascend, wants to obey God, wants to keep living his life for God, and then, and then seeing liars all around, seeing difficulty happening. Does this sound like anything remotely familiar to your world? This is great comfort for us as we begin this journey, right? Because we understand that not much has changed. That the problems of humanity are the problems of humanity. That this is what God is addressing through the power of his word. And so I think for me as I read it to go, okay, I might not see huge change. I might not make the liar tell the truth. 
But there's something that can change in me as I'm making an ascent. Because even though that's difficult work, as I continue to get my eyes closer on God, as I begin to realize as they were, they were making their journey to a place of sacrifice to make their sins uh, atoned for. I'm getting there. I'm gaining a new perspective. So I'm changing, not the environment around me. And when I change... It doesn't matter what happens in the environment around me. And when I begin to change and when you begin to change, you, become to be, you begin to become an, a change agent in the world around you. Does this make any sense? I think for us is just a, a way of application as we start the journey. It's important to realize that he's setting the contrast. A contrast needs something to contrast from. He's beginning to, he's painting the picture of, I don't want to be here anymore. Have you ever said that? I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe it's the state of California. Maybe it's the job that you're in. Maybe it's the cycle of sin that you're in or the the way that somebody else's cycle of sin directly impacts your life. It's the, I don't want to be here anymore. It's a hugely important part of the journey. So much so that for centuries, the children of Israel would start their trek singing the, I don't want to be here song anymore. And so my, my takeaway for you, what I hope that you'll walk away with today is to go, do you want to be here anymore? I'm not talking about the good and pure and wonderful things that God is doing, because he is. Like, this isn't the whole story. But in some of those areas, it takes a moment of going, I'm going from here to there. I guess the question that I would leave you with in terms of application is, what do I need to leave What do I need to leave as I make my ascent? Is it an attitude? Is it an action? Is it a, 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 what, what we've termed so often as a pet sin? Maybe it's not a big one. You know, it's the ones that everybody does. Are there those things that are are stirring and, and convicting inside of you? Listen, the good news is there's freedom from it. The good news is there's a better way. The good news is as a pilgrim along this journey that there is levels of freedom. That's where they were going back to remember so often. They were remembering what God had done and taking them from captivity and bringing them into freedom. Don't you want freedom? I want freedom in my life. I'd like to read this um, in in the message translation because I I love the way that it, it speaks it. It's a little more poetic maybe in our everyday terminology. I'll read it in its entirety. This is what it says. I'm in trouble. I cry to God. I'm desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly, but they lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming? All you barefaced liars. Pointed arrows with burning coals will be your reward. I'm doomed to live in Meshik. I'm cursed with a home in Kedar. My whole life lived camping among quarreling neighbors. I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. I think I've painted the picture enough for you. I think I've painted the beginning point. But here, if you'll let me just read this over you as we begin to wrap up our time in Isaiah chapter 30 in verse 19. There's a portion of scripture that I remember hearing quoted so many times throughout my life. I'm growing up in church and hearing people just say it. You know, there are some scriptures that people just say they're conversational in, and it's sort of the application to a moment. 
Isaiah um, paints this picture for these people, the children of Israel, who, um, who, again, who we're studying and who we're relating to and connecting to about their journey, their journey that, that has adversity and their journey that has joy. But there's a promise in this journey that along the way, there's deep relationship with God, that God doesn't waste an ounce or a moment of pain, that he works through each and every bit of it. And in verse 19 of Isaiah 30, it says this, For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem, and you shall weep no more. Listen to these beautiful words. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he will answer you. And then it says, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will, hide himself, will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you. And this is the part I remember hearing so often. I can hear Pastor John saying it. It says, saying this, This is the way. Walk in it. Growing up, I remember hearing it like this. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Amen, brother. (laughs) And when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left, you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. And you will say to them, be gone. You see what that is? That's, that's helping you understand this journey. That's going, I'm with all these liars, all this lying stuff, and, and, and realizing what kind of world that creates around you, what kind of environment. And here in Isaiah, it's saying, hey, when you cry to your teacher, your teacher's going to answer you. God is going to give you clear direction. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Millie, I, I can hear you saying it. This is the way. Walk ye in it. God is faithful. He will lead you. He will lead you. And the part of that leadership on that journey as you're walking with them is you're going to let a bunch of stuff go. The stuff that maybe has come on you because of the environment that you're in or maybe even the choices that you've chosen to make. But you, when you see this in the faithfulness of God and when you hear his direction, this says to you, you're going to defile your carved idols and you're going to get rid of your gold-plated images and you're going to scatter them as unclean things and you're going to say to these things, be gone. Again, the question is, what do you need to leave? What do we need to leave? I could, I could give many hypotheticals, but the Holy Spirit is so much better at giving you the specifics. Amen? Amen. Can we stand together? Ben, I don't know if you have a song for us as we wrap up our time together. That was the maybe. Do you know it was Ben's birthday yesterday? Can we just say happy birthday to Ben? Would you just close your eyes with me as we take a moment to, to do what I said in the middle of this sermon, to be present, to as best as you can, just try not to process every little thing that was said, nor try to think about what's going to happen next. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just take a moment just to be still and know that he's God. And as we begin our ascent together as we take this road trip with these playlist songs that are kind of reminding us bringing us to a place we begin with a word called repentance repentance is about leaving something and going a different direction
I've said this just a few weeks ago. Repentance is not about getting caught. Repentance is about getting free. And sometimes we believe this lie that, oh no, here it comes. I'm everybody, he probably knows what I've done. Or the enemy just lies. Or you, know, you, you might feel like, oh, there's a spotlight on me. People can tell I'm a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is a reality. And what this journey reminds us of is we can be free. We can be free. We can leave the places of violence. We can leave the places where in our hearts we've longed to be a people of peace, but these people just go to war. We can leave the environments that are filled with deception and walk in truth. And God, may that be the case for each and every one of us. No hidden things before you because they're not hidden anyways. Lord, you're all-knowing and you still love us. God, I bless your people. And I pray like a great freedom that comes with repentance over them now. That as they hear this, that they would be inspired, not by me certainly, but by you and your Holy Spirit to be free of the things that entangle. To take a journey with you. To gain a new perspective. To realize that uphill is difficult, but the view is so great with you. We see it differently. We see people differently. And we're changed by your glory. As we sing this song, declaring the worth of God, just take the time to think about some of these things and allow some space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Just know that God wants to free you. You
Lord, as we stand before you now, Lord, we say here's our lives. You know, I, I want to give you just a little bit of space here that if there's something that you want to express to the Lord that you want to say, God, I'm leaving this and I, I want to ascend with you. Just take that time. Don't, don't wait till later. Don't, don't wait till a magic moment, so to speak. But be present now. And in this moment, if God's tugging on your heart, say yes to him. You'll be amazed at what your yes will bring. I bless your people, Lord, as they find space in, in, in myself too. God, just availing my life before you. God, we want to be here walking in true repentance, leaving some stuff that needs to be left and starting our, our walk afresh and anew. Thank you that we get to do this daily. Thank you that there's new mercy. Each day, God, we honor you. Lord, I bless each one. God, I, I pray a special blessing over all the moms that are here on this day that they'll be celebrated hopefully well. Pray that you would encourage them and lift them up, empower them, Lord. May they take those moments to treasure things in their hearts. Bless them, God. And bless your people. Bless your people, Lord. May they know how deep and wide, how great your love is. And may they walk in your joy and in your peace. And as we continue on this journey, may they walk in all of us, Lord, walking in greater levels of freedom. Thank you, Lord. We honor you together in your precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.
And this is my 